Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic Colby Smith. Colby Smith, how the hell are you? I'm doing well, Brian. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Usually you're the radio host, so the, the tables have turned. That's right. Yeah, it's nice to be on the other end of things for a while. It's way less work. <laughs> yes, and I follow you on Twitter. People can see your online comedy, and I guess your your show is also online. You know, there's an app for it. It's Radio Free Brooklyn. But um, I follow you on Twitter. You're Col- Colby J. Smith. That's and then right. on Instagram, you're Colb About Town. Mm-hmm. You and got so, yeah, it. Yeah, let people know about this app that you got. The Radio Free Brooklyn has an app, and you're just one of the great shows on this app. It's true, yeah. So uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is a uh, nonprofit internet station that's based uh, here in Bushwick, where I live. And I've been doing like a talk, call-in comedy show for them for, it will be four years in November. Um, so one of the longest running shows there, the station's only about five years old. Um, <laughs> You're an el- elder state. That's elder exactly statesman. right. In yeah. fact, at a meeting recently, the station manager was like welcoming some new hosts. And he was like, by the way, Colby is here and everything that's ever gone wrong has happened to Colby. So if, <laughs> if you have a question, he has an answer for you. Yeah, quite the plug. Everything goes, goes wrong with Colby. I did once go in the studio and uh, there was like music playing over like the first 15 minutes of the show. Oh <laughs> Just gosh. like a host had like forgotten to like close whatever app he was using to like DJ the previous oh show. God. And uh, it was just like it. Then it was like his password. It was a nightmare. Uh, yeah, my, my dad was a long time, you know, radio fan. Like he does nothing but listen to music and, and talk radio, etc. And so one time he finally got the chance to be a DJ. And he was, you know, at the time, this was his second career. So he was 60 something, didn't know computers. And like, I think there was like, like a minute of dead air because he didn't push a certain button. And that's like a no, no. And so I think he got he got let go shortly thereafter. But I think his uh <laughs> His five seconds of, of fame was, uh, you know, it, it probably told him enough to be like, all right, well, that scratched my itch and it let me know that maybe I should have, uh, you know, gotten into radio back when it was just levers and buttons and not computer programs. <laughs> yeah, you can do all kinds of stuff with it now. Yeah, and so as long as you master it, as long as as long as you're Colby Colby J Smith, like you know that's yeah. fucking fine because you yeah, can exactly. rock and roll and see so you're, you're perfect at it now. And so I mean, it was a call-in show before, so you actually had people like you know what time was your show? Did you actually have people during uh, during traffic jams call in and be like you know Colby, long time listener, first time caller? Well, it was. Uh, and still is on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Uh, yeah. So a lot of times people would be like walking to yoga or like, <laughs> or to church. To, yeah, exactly. Going to the farmer's market uh, and just like calling on the way. But I did have uh, um, one of my favorite things about doing the call in version of the show is like you really just have no way to tell who is going to be your guest at any given time. And yeah. it was a way to kind of like tap into your New York weirdos, as you know. <laughs> and I had this woman. Do you know who Mother Pigeon is? No. So Mother Pigeon is a is a artist who has like been in New York forever and sells these like pigeons that she makes out of felt and chicken wire. Yes. Where? Um, yes. And she called my show every week for like a year and a half. God bless her. Was she interesting? I mean, she, she must have been fascinating. Oh, she was incredible. She would like get <laughs> she, would, she would like listen to the whole thing and then call up and like talk shit about the other callers and just be like, this person <laughs> doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> like, 
And then she plug herself at the end and be like, and by the way, Pigeon Lady, Union Square, Sunday at 11. No, she would remain completely anonymous. <sighs> it took me so long to find out who she was. And did you ever meet her in person in Union Square or no? Uh, I have met her in person, yeah. Yes. Do you see I'm Colby Smith? And she's like, God oh, bless you. Sweet. In fact, a- another listener uh, sent me <laughs> her felt pigeons and i still have it it's one of my prized possessions is she still with us is she still on the she is. oh yeah she's still around she's you know i you can find her on instagram at mother pigeon nyc yes i think it's mother pigeon nyc but it's definitely if you type in mother pigeon you'll get to the right place okay there's and not with, a lot of <laughs> other competing martha uh, mother pigeon accounts so. and she probably has about millions of followers yeah, and she's like really sweet, and she was just like a huge part. Uh, she's a huge part of the show's history now. So uh, we love Mother Pigeon here at Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> and so after the pandemic, like you know, there wasn't as many people kind of up and about. Everybody was at home, so they couldn't call in. So now you have guests, like you have other comedians and stuff like that. Yeah, usually how I I would structure the show is I would have a guest or two, uh, and we would kind of set a topic on the table and take calls on that topic. Um, uh, but now. Now that I have to do everything from home, it's just like there is a way to do that, you know, through Zoom. But it's it's it feels like way more to ask of people than just dialing a number on their phone, you know. Um, So I have I've kind of just been been pivoting to the uh, having guests and we either it's either a straight interview like I had uh, Molly Lambert. She was a Grantland writer for a long time. And like, oh, now- shit. The Grantland writer, Molly Lambert. I totally oh, remember. Yeah. I love Grantland. And oh, I think man. I remember Molly Lambert. Was she sports or music or culture? She might have been she culture. She was kind of she? culture. She would like she would review Mad Men. And then like she <laughs> talked a lot about like uh, a true detective and like pop music and stuff. She had this podcast called uh Girls in Hoodies with Tess Lynch and Emily Yoshida that I listen to all the time. And that that like trio is now they're hosting night call. Now I'm plugging someone else's show. What am I doing? <laughs> but some of these people I had, uh, I had, you know, a big time booker for Caroline's on once. And he said, dude, there, there's some podcasters who can sell out Caroline's in a second. Like I'm they sure have such a rabid following. And he could have mentioned that. Like he, he mentioned one person. It sounded like Girls in Hoodies, but I don't know. Is she, is she New York City? Uh, L.A. Oh, OK. Yeah, those Grandland people, they're badass. Like Steve Hyden was a big music music writer for them. And, oh, you yeah. know, taking like the albums of the day and relating it to things in your life. Like sometimes they take you on a journey, man. Like I used to write music reviews too, but these people are on a, a fucking different level. They spend so much time in these fucking articles, but it seems so effortless. Yeah, he is really good too, Stephen Hyden. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, he's a guest I'm trying to get. So hopefully people can look forward to that. Yeah, and I would I would think that if you're having other comedians on, like Bushwick is probably there's is there fucking a shit ton or were there a shit ton of comedians in Bushwick? There were. It's hard to tell now because uh, you know so many people are either staying out of the city or or moving out of the city and just kind of leaving forever uh, because of everything that's going on. But there was like there was just uh, you know I didn't do I would go a year without doing a mic that wasn't located off the L train. You know, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, there was just a really nice little network of weeknight um, open mics just like uh, in and around Bushwick that was like a, um, a really nice little community. So I, I am kind of missing that these days. Yeah, I think I Chinook to Sarah and he said something like, dude, you can actually get some fucking mics in Brooklyn where they will be there'll be people in the audience listening at- attentively. And I'm like, no fucking shit like that's that's a, <laughs> that's a miracle. Is that true? It is true. Uh, it's it's <laughs> rare, uh, you know. It's it's they're hard to find, but once you find them, it's uh, you will never go anywhere else. 
Yeah, I thought, I thought he's, Lan- he's so funny, Chinook. He's so. Oh funny. yeah, he's fucking amazing. And then, did you ever Lana Schwartz on? She's a comedian. She also does some, some big writing. She wrote a book about oh, like choose your. Yeah, Lana Schwartz, Lana Schwartz oh, and I met in line at UCB for Mod Night in like 2013 or something. Oh my gosh, is she Bushwick? I think she is like Williamsburg. Okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah, close enough, you know. That's the only reason why I mentioned her because I had her on and she was funny. But dude, her tweets all day long. She's turning out the fucking original quality. I'm like, holy fucking shit, this chick is brilliant. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's I. She's you know published author Lana Schwartz. Yeah. Yeah. Like my first impression, I was like, Lana, how are you doing? She goes, it's Lana. And I'm like, dude, that was my first exposure to her. And I'm like, dude, I follow you at Lana like banana, and I didn't I put together that's say. how you pronounce it. Yeah. I didn't put that together. That's how you fucking pronounce it. But dude, like some of these people's tweets are so great. And you so like, it was you know, Lana likes bananas. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yeah, come on, dude. That's the only way to read it. Like, I don't, I don't think you're rhyming just, with banana. Landis Ward's just being like, well, I want to be funny on Twitter. What can I call? <laughs> what can I call my handle? I Lana. know. Yeah. Uh, slip, slip on banana peel. Uh, Lana <laughs> likes bananas. And, and I, I'm a plural. I'm a, my pronoun is plural, and that's why I say Lana like banana, because Lana is plural. It's not singular. Yeah. It's not Lana likes. But, yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like you just have a fucking pool of talent that you could exploit in Bushwick, you know, the minute it goes, um, you know, it's a little bit less quarantine. But then you would just start up the radio show because people it sounds like traffic is starting back up and, and people are starting to leave the house again. So when are you going to start up the old format? I don't know. Hopefully soon. You know, the station has its own kind of rules about uh, quarantine and that kind of thing. And like what we can do to keep people safe. But the, the big thing is right now is that guests or, or hosts rather are allowed back in the studio if we take a certain number of precautions. But there is still a, a ban on guests at the moment just because yeah. we don't know what people are bringing with them. So as soon as guests are allowed back in. Um, I will be back in doing the show in its old format. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, just trying to get some good guests, trying to have some fun conversations and, uh, uh just keeping the momentum going even through all of this. Definitely at the beginning when I thought this was going to be way shorter, like all of us, I was just like, well, I can just like use my shitty computer microphone for this. It's only going to be temporary. And now yeah. I just like, I've got a nice microphone. I've got nice headphones. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, you sound great. Unfortunately, right. you sound great, which means you put in the investment. Yeah, yeah exactly. at the beginning, I, at the beginning, I was like, dude, I can uh, let me just keep kicking over these dates. You know, a bunch of dates at QED that had yet to be booked. I was like, oh, again, let me kick it over a month. Let me kick it over a month. And then when I realized this shit wasn't fucking like the the step the step phase in pr- process was so slow. I was like, he's starting with this, and then he's going to wait two weeks, and then he's going to go to these and wait two weeks, and that two week is going to monitor whether or not even to go to the next stage. I'm like, they're never going to get to podcasters. Yeah. And so I was like, and the studio at fucking QED is pimp, but it's small, it's tiny. And right. it's like, that's the, I would be the person who would spread it among everybody. Like, if, if I got it, everybody in the community would get it. Because if I had yeah. 10 comics a day, and then they go to open mics and shit, they're fucked. Yeah, and you're so, a um, I'm a t- I would I'd totally be a super spreader. Um, and so how did you figure out that that was kind of the format that you liked? Is it because, you know, there was so many New York City characters and, you know, are you, you know, you're a comedian yourself. So are you trying to work in your own, you know, like, is it enough to be Colby Smith radio guy or do you want to be known as Colby Smith hilarious radio guy? <laughs> well, I was always doing stand up at the same time uh, as doing the radio show. So I would meet people that way that I wanted to have on. And I would actually find that it worked the opposite way where rather than try and, you know, just kind of do my material on the air in the context of the show, I would actually find it to be a good way to generate 
ideas for bits to then do on stage later. Uh, um, they were the material. The call-in call-in people were the material for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, pigeon, and so pigeon, I lady, have people... pigeon lady turned into a bit. <laughs> <laughs> pigeon lady specifically did not turn into a bit, but definitely things she said sparked yes. uh, ideas. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it all just came from wanting to rip off uh, Tom Sharpling because uh, I was like a best show listener for a long time. I mean, I mean you know, I, I just like grew up listening to like talk radio like my dad and I would listen to car talk all the time on NPR. Okay. And uh, and then when I heard when I finally like got around to listening to the best show, which I was like pretty late in its run on WFMU, I was like around for the last like year or so of its um run and now it's you know he's like continued to do it uh independently but uh i was just like so happy that i got to be there for a little bit of it um and what what, what did you like so much about it i think i i, I like the uh like the call-in feature just like it just creates this built-in community around the show that yeah. i really responded to and it's easy to feel like you know and he goes for three hours too so it's like easy to feel uh -huh. like you know him uh even though of course you don't um <laughs> but i really liked that and he he has talked to about how there's such an aspect of like theater that goes along with doing radio like you can just say that something is going on in the studio <laughs> and then it's true you know like it and do you do you do that Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just lifted that completely. I would talk about how I was, like, in fights with other DJs at the station, and uh, the station was, like, trying to shut me down and stuff like that. And uh, meanwhile, getting along perfectly with everybody there, because it's, like, such a great community. And but, the call-in people are totally on your side. You're like, get that DJ on the phone. That fuck already put music on your set. I hate that guy, too. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's so cool. Like, I, I kind of want, if I ever did stand-up, I, I would need to be, like, a shtick. And I like the shtick of going up and... and just like seem like I'm beefing with somebody in the audience immediately. Like mm -hmm. just start like even before I take the mic, I'm already talking and I'm like, nah, fuck you. You know, like, you know, I can't believe you did that thing that time. You just get real specific, you, you know, about yeah. And then you borrowed my numbing cream for your dick with your fucking lidocaine, you know, like like start beefing the entire time. Cause people would probably think it's true at an open mic. Oh, sure. You know, because you know, if you're a podcaster of comedians, like I probably do know a lot of people in the audience. Oh, yeah. I, I suppose it would stop working at some point when you start getting yes. real, real audiences like the attentive people in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in Brooklyn just really loves comedy. They <laughs> just, oh, they think it's so cool. This, do they? This, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have attentive audiences, I would think that they're totally open to at least a woke comedian. Sure. Yeah. I mean, every every area has its own sensibility. And, yeah. you know, it's it's easy to I, I think one of the things that that, you know, I, I talk about with like other comedians a lot is like a lot of it is just finding a room where people will not make fun of you. <laughs> like it's just like if you find a mic that you feel like aligns to your sensibility uh, uh, maybe a little closer than others. Just like keep going to that one. Like you don't have to work too hard. You don't have to like win over a room. Like you know, if you if look if you want to do dick jokes and and you go to a mic where dick jokes always bomb, you can find another mic. It's not cheating to find to like go to a place where people like you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and do we think like yeah? So I mean, that, that runs counter to some of the bullshit that uh, you know. I love comedians and cars with Jerry Seinfeld, but. You know, they're of the mind that to go mainstream like they did and super huge mainstream like they did. Right. You need to work 
every room you know like jay leno was like oh well you know some people only go to the wednesday mic here but it's like no you already got those people go to the thursday mic in harlem or whatever right and i i I don't know if that's true because like if you are a certain type of comic who does well with a certain audience and you're still exposed to an appropriate opportunity for you you still could get a special yeah i mean it's just a matter of like like, how much does this crew of people love you totally is that crew of people big enough at home that they're going to stream the special i would think so well, yeah, I mean, I think there's just, like, there's a million different ways to do it. Like, uh, you know, if you want, like, certain people, like, I, I know plenty of people who are just like, yeah, I, I don't want to work the road. Like, I am perfectly happy to just, like, perform, you know, in the five boroughs and, like, try and get a late night job and, you know, just, like, try and do things that way. But I know plenty of other people who are just like, I can't wait to, you know, get to the point where I don't have to do you know, this is the same Brooklyn venues all the time. Like, I want to, like, go all over. And, you know, both of those approaches are, like, perfectly valid. So if, like, if you want to be the person who is, like, you know, traveling around to, like, do comedy, then, yeah, it's, like, a good idea to, like, hone your material in a way that it doesn't just, you know, appeal to your niche. But if, like, you know, being the best guy at your thing is is uh uh more your speed than like yeah i just think i think everybody has to set their own kind of limitations with it yeah because if you're the best guy at your thing presuming your thing is big enough like i would just think if you're the dick joke guy like yeah just go do clubs everywhere because everybody's drunk and they'll appreciate the dick joke like yeah, yeah, when sure. you do the clubs across the country i think you also get a certain way you're like i'm the best guy at this but what this is is really broad comedy comedy that appeals to the drunk horny audience and that's its own thing and so i I would even think that working the road it's like now you're standing down your material to the point where it no longer has a voice and so if you're yeah Yeah, if if you're that yeah so if you're really great great at your thing and you're presented with an opportunity like dude everybody loves your shit because you're always talking about superheroes Patton oswald and that niche is big enough where you can fucking um you can get everybody at comic-con and it's huge now we'll give you a special uh, and so i mean some of this like i know you like todd berry and so you know where would you put him on the spectrum of niche versus kind of broad comedy so the reason why i like him so much is because he i think rides that line better than anybody he i think just has the perfect career of like he works the clubs but can also like be booked on an indie bar show or like in some alt venue where the sensibility is not quite so mainstream and still do just as well as anybody else. You know, and is he using uh, different material or is he just able to respond? Because I mean, he's a big crowd work guy, so obviously he can, he can think on his feet. Yeah. And I so think, does he? I mean, do you think he uses a different script or is he just so much more willing to depart from that script if it's not fitting the room's laughter needs? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think any comedian worth their salt is like they they know how to or at least they have ways to try pivoting if something is not matching the room that they're in yeah uh but i do think that he and like the crowd work specials like kind of hint at this where he is very good at being aware of the room that he's in and like just knows how to operate in those settings like he has an album it's called from heaven from 2008 that's like him in, he's like performing in the back of a Chinese restaurant in like Boston or like Cambridge, Massachusetts or something like that. <laughs> and he just like does all these jokes about the venue. And it's like these were not scripted. He's just like he knows how to be in the room that he's in. 
And is that um, something you pride yourself on? Like, are you are you somebody who can be in the room and and totally you know flip the script if you want to comment on things in the room, or if you know your previous script isn't really playing with the audience, you're able to kind of think on your feet and go where the laughter is. I don't know if I can claim to have that skill yet, but I <laughs> yeah, know yet. it is yeah. something I I am interested in having for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what an invaluable skill. And what kind of stuff are you talking about stage? Are you, I mean, I, sp- I suppose you're just lifting it directly from the pigeon lady. So you must be all, <laughs> yes. what, all you must be observational. But are you kind of taking some of these, you know, crazy calls that you're getting, and or, or even things that you're making up that are happening in the studio, and bringing them on stage and trying to relate them to your life? Like I'm also crazy. Or are you staying strictly observational? I, I stay pretty observational. I mean, I have a, I, I like to. Um... You know, I, I I am not somebody who can just make something up entirely. Uh, like, I, I feel like all of my jokes have come from some emotional response I've had in my life uh, to even just something, like, very, like, stupid or normal that just, like, happened at a restaurant, you know? Um, but even if the bit itself, like, grows and changes to be not entirely related to the situation in which... Uh, I like first had the spark of the idea. I like to keep true to the the sort of like emotional response that prompted that kind of creative spark to begin with. So yeah. for like, for example, I have I have jokes that kind of start with like this bartender said this funny thing to me. You know what I mean? And like usually it goes in a direction that I'm like not expecting after you like try things out and they don't work and then you just like try all these other things uh but like that beginning the beginning of the joke I feel like is usually true for me um and 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 it has to it has to have the kernel of truth because dude you know whether or not you're a comic you know at an open mic or something listening to Colby Smith or somebody at home who's firing up Colby Smith's uh special or a Radio Free Brooklyn's uh show like I have to believe it. Sometimes, I mean, some of these jokes, it's like, dude, this is fucking not true at all. Like, yeah, know, you just I fucking know. made the, yeah, I mean, and it, it works on both levels. Like, no matter if I'm sitting home watching John Mulaney thing, I'm like, yeah, that totally happened. Or, or no, right. that did not fucking happen. You were making that up. And sometimes it's inconsistency. You know, like somebody like Nikki Glaser will talk about, ah, so I fucked him. You know, he was a homeless guy, so I fucked him. And in the next joke, she's in a serious relationship for 10 years. I'm like, well, which is it, Nikki? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, some of the, I mean, I love... I have tried to at various points of like doing stand up to like be a little more ironic uh, in that way. And I just don't think audiences accept it from me. I I just think I think that I I have gotten more response from being uh, much more true to life and much more down to earth just because I have like. Uh, my voice sounds like a 1950s dad. Like I have kind of like a, <laughs> I have kind of a baby face. Like people are expecting me to be a certain way. And if I can be that way a little bit while also kind of subverting that expectation, I think that's kind of the lane that I, uh, uh, operate best in. And you know, you only learn that kind of thing through trial and error. You kind of only learn, like I've tried over the course of years to like do material, about like dating or whatever, even like, you know, you try to push yourself beyond that because that's such an easy crutch for people. Um, but every so often I'll like have a thing that like, oh, this think this could be a bit. And it just like never works. <laughs> like I just like I just think people don't want to hear me <laughs> like talk about fucking like they just yeah. don't. 
They Good. just they they see me and they take in everything that they, that I am and then they're just like no this guy is like too wholesome like, yes. <laughs> like the audience you know, will I feel the, the same the audience, feel, the audience tells sorry, you who you are the audience yeah, tells you yeah, who, who you are yeah. right you're meet, you're meeting them halfway it's like exactly. yeah I think this is funny and you think this subset of my stuff is funny coming out of my mouth whereas right. I can also send my jokes to Anthony Jesselnick and he'll he'll be able to rule with my fucking jokes right right so it's all a matter of like you know you try to push their understanding of you you push the edges of it rather than yeah. step completely beyond it yeah, um, yeah you try to push the boundaries a little bit you don't want to be you know you don't want the definition of colby smith to be too small or narrow yeah exactly um but yeah all of that stuff like uh like bardia salimi or, or like joe rumrill or people like that who really like work in the you know none of, none of this stuff is really true like i'm not revealing like the details of my life at all like i love that stuff like i i love watching those two guys perform because it's just like they have found a way to to reveal who they are without revealing like specifics you know what i mean like <laughs> like you watch joe rumrell do his uh, jokes about like cartoons and stuff and it's just like i i don't know anything about this guy's life but i know him you know yeah, uh, yeah and like i don't know I, I i really respond to that stuff but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's something that i can do myself well yeah i mean the, the biggest thing with comedy is to know yourself and it sounds like you do and maybe that happened via the radio show and so they yeah, can but... fire up Ra radio free brooklyn and it's an app they can download and then they just listen to it on the phone well, so, um, yeah, so if they want to stream it live, uh, my show is on Sundays at 10 on Radio Free Brooklyn. And then, you know, it, it, we have 24 hours a day of programming. Um, some uh, some of it's talk, a lot of it's music. Uh, I mean, it's a really, it, it, it sounds cheesy to say, but our slogan is, this is what Brooklyn sounds like, which is yeah, like. I love that. You know, I, saw, I just very, saw that. I was like, that's perfect. It's very corny, but it's also, I think it's like pretty true in our case. Like we have a really diverse community in terms of like uh, tastes and subject matter and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, it's it's really worth checking out. They've been such a great home to me over the last couple of years. And I, I'll take any uh, opportunity to speak well of them. Um, yeah, yeah. But my they, they do it. They do it in return, too. They're like everything bad that's happened in the studio <laughs> happened, happened during a Colby Smith radio show. Yes. Um, but my show, uh, Young Persons Radio is the name of it, is also available as a podcast um, mm -hmm. on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher. So if you if you can't listen live, which, you know, no one does anything at a point in time anymore, you can find the episodes uh, on Mondays um, on all of those apps. Good, because, I mean, they can do so now and then, you know, they're going to be the longtime listener, first time caller once you start that back up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I hope so. I hope that uh, uh, we'll be able to take calls again sometime soon because I miss it. But oh. have had some great guests lately, so uh, people can check those out as well. Good. That sounds so great. Colby J. Smith on Twitter. Colb About Town. Colby Smith, thank you so much for coming on. Brian, this was so fun. It was great to talk to you.